Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Blank Canvas, the arts and education podcast from Lester B. Pearson School Board. This is Frank Caracciolo, artist and arts consultant for Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please join us as we speak with people making a difference in the arts and education community. On today's episode, we meet with Kemba Mitchell. Kemba and I have been working together for a few years now, and she's here to talk about Black History Month and her experiences in the school. She's here. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to The Blank Canvas. Today we're with Kemba Mitchell, and she is joining us today. Our Second time. We, Second we, time, we, we right. We did up, uh, about two years ago. With some yes, we did when we were uh, raising the flag around this time. Yes, exactly. That's right, over at uh, PCH. Pierphone, yeah, Pierphone Community High School. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Nice Great to see you. Here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the schools? Sure. So... I am one of three community development agents, better known as CDAs, employed at Leslie Pearson. And uh, I am a mother of two daughters, ages 26 and 29. I also have an anti-racism consulting business. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Basically, the the mission is... uh, is to um, basically designed as a goal of empowering institutional spaces to be a proponent of change. Proponent of change. That's why we're here today, right? We're going to talk about changes because I see changes Changes. happening. I'm I'm always happy to see it and very, uh, very into advocating for any kind of change that's in that direction. So that's why you're here today, right? So um, what, what are some of the things that you're working on in that light in the schools? Well, one of the rules of a CDA is to essentially mobilize the resources in the community or the region, depending on where you're situated, and to strengthen the school, helping meet the child's individual needs, interests, and goals. So what I did uh, with the three schools that I work in, which are Kingsdale Academy, Sunshine Academy, and Springdale, I put out a survey questionnaire to all staff. And when I collected this feedback from the staff, um, I was then better equipped to understand the perspectives of individuals in the building and also support uh, to understand the climate and the culture and to see what areas, what the areas of strength and improvements were. And after the evaluation, I sat down with the principals and then we kind of worked on what are the priorities for the, for the for this year. One of the priorities and is common uh, amongst all the schools are really the need for mentorship, mentorship outside of the classrooms, uh, in the common spaces. Uh, it's it just appears that there needs to be more resources. And again, one of the one of the items that came up a lot was we need mentors for these students. That's interesting. Uh, that's another direction, right? And uh, bringing this to light on the podcast helps people think about these things. You know, I just did uh, a workshop for the staff at Kingsdale Academy. Catherine Byrne, the principal, was kind enough I to heard. invite me. Yeah, it was on Black History. And uh, we did uh, a really interesting kind of collage workshop. And, it, and more than the actual making of the art, the conversations after were very uplifting. And I was very happy. And they seemed very happy. And I I was actually with uh, Catherine this morning. And she seemed to be very excited about what had turned out. So those those are going to be on display over there at Kingsdale. Right. And, 
And your other school, Springdale, uh, has invited me in to do some a drawing where we're going to be talking about the colors of our skin. We're going to be doing portraiture. Right. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, uh, who we are as people. And, and uh, you know, I always use color, right? So I, you know, that whole thing about I don't see color. Well, I'm the opposite side of that. I see color, man. Like, We that's all my see job. color. That's my job. My job is to notice color, to dissect color. But um, we're going to have the students uh, follow Angelica Das, who is a, a, an artist from Brazil. And she is very in, it's called the Humane Project, where she's looking at colors of skin. And she makes students mix paint colors to match their skin. And then we talk about, you know, your, your color. Because we're, you know, like the adages were black or white. But in actuality, once you start really diving in, you see that you're not at all that black or white, right? You're this very Exactly. rich. rich colorization of, of humanity that and that's the whole project so we're going to be doing that at springdale we're going to be working on portraiture so i'm excited about that one I'm and excited fun too. I'm excited too. And because I'm in these schools, I will too be able to uh, participate and just see the great work. yeah it's great to do that with kids and i think that when we we speak about it openly and we talk directly Um, I think that that's where change is going to come, right? Like it's, Right. it's not, it's not something that, you know, you could walk around, you have to go at it. And really, I mean, I'm always talking about like how racism evolves, like how does it happen? Like, you know, um, when I'm working with uh, the, these kind of workshops where, you know, like there's two boys in a sandbox of different race and, They're just arguing over a truck. They're not really, they don't really understand each, they just want to play, right? And they're just, Mm -hmm. Right. and there's no racism there. So we we have, and then you start thinking like, where does it, where does it happen? Where, when does this happen? When does it, when does it formulate Well, itself in us, in our psyche right. that we become one or the other or, you know, so, I mean, I have my theories about it, obviously, you know. One thing we need to do is understand the history of race and the fact that it was um, brought about to to really divide. And it has to do with economy. It has to do with hierarchy. It has to do with power. And when we understand the history and how race evolved throughout history, then we'll have a better understanding as to um, as to who has who has the let's I don't like to use the word power, but who has the advantage and why? And I think that when you bring up the word race, a lot of people get very uncomfortable around the word race um, because, you know, with that word comes a lot of feelings and emotions. But I think it's important to embrace these these conversations. And from very young, I think it's uh, it's important to have these conversations. It may present itself differently depending on the age, but definitely diversity, understanding we all do look different and that is okay right and appreciating the differences and the commonalities uh, I, I think there's um there's great potential Yeah, and I think that's where we're at and why we're here today, right? Like, so we're going to start off uh, Black History Month together. mm -hmm. And right and you wanted to mention somebody. oh marcus garvey you know the the movement you you cannot omit this gentleman the honorable marcus garvey who has been influential in um In, in on many facets uh, throughout globally. And I've always known about Marcus Garvey, the name, but it wasn't actually until our research when I was uh, at uh, Pierrefonds Community High School that I really went in depth to understand, uh, to better understand who this man was and the influence he had in the African diaspora.
So um, speaking about Marcus Garvey and the Pan-African flag per se, uh, I was really happy to at Springdale, shout out to Springdale and all the staff over there. Uh, they, they started a black history, actually, sorry, a black history committee. And they asked me if I wanted to join. And I said, sure. And they have come up with a great, not only month, but balanced year incorporating various um, art and culture in the school. They had asked me, they knew about some of the work I had done at PC. And they asked me, would you want to come into uh, each classroom and kind of speak about the Pan-African flag? And I was like, amazing. Yes, I will. So I'm going to gift them a Pan-African flag that I have that was actually gifted to me by the former assistant director general, Tom, Tom Rhines. So I'm going to gift the school a Pan-African flag and I am going to go into every classroom and speak about the significance, who Marcus Garvey was and the significance of the flag. And you mentioned also Carter Woodson. Oh yeah, Carter J. Woodson. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so another gentleman. So when we're speaking about Black History Month, we cannot... Um, omit the conversation around how it started. And that would be uh, Carter J. Woodson, who started off with the idea of having a, a Black History Week because of the fact that the curriculum uh, omitted any history of, of Black people. So it started off Black History, Black History Week, and then it went through a month. It was recognized federally in the U.S. And then in, in Canada, can't remember the year, but it was recognized here as well as um, not as a holiday, but as a, you know, a national um, month to honor and celebrate Black uh, Canadians and Black people around the world. And uh, so, yeah, uh, influential individual. And we need to learn a lot from why the month began and then where we need to really be moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of conversations, of course, you and I have had, but mm -hmm. uh, teachers more and more and principals more and more now are saying that we, we don't have to wait for a month, right? Uh, the month of February, Absolutely we should be, not. we should be rocking and rolling from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And that has to go. That's also uh, with indigenous cultures and, and other studies. It just should be always, uh, you know, yes. and you could incorporate things and leaders and movements and people from, from uh, black history, from indigenous history, from whatever, whatever history mm -hmm. should be uh, a continuation all the time in our curriculum it shouldn't just be the month but we do celebrate it and it's really yes. people need to know about about carter j woodson because that's where it starts right and that's how this like we're sitting in black history month people and i think that's a great point for for young people to learn about you know right. uh, and adding it to curriculums and this has been uh been going on for a very long time like trying to get it richer and richer and so I'm right. glad that we're doing this. I'm I'm glad that people are are opening up more and and our teachers are are taking this on and and looking yes. into it a little bit with a little bit more care and uh, attention as it should be. Yeah, I think um, I definitely can see the difference when I was in school and then with, when when my daughters were in school in the way that educators now have this additional lens where. They, there is a lot of effort made to um, diversify what they're teaching. So we know that the Quebec government mandates a specific curriculum, which omits any Black uh, and Indigenous history. And if it does have an aspect of the history, it's often skewed and one-sided. And it's it's from the perspective of white historians, right? So um, it is very crucial that educators, particularly teachers in the classrooms, 
do what they can to take into consideration the variety, the 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 cultural diversity, and even if you work or teach a, a, a homogeneous classroom, they still need to know the 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 truth about the um, the perspectives and the and and what other individuals have um, provided and offered to Canada and what they've done in in in, in this country. So yeah, I I see a huge huge improvement, and it's it's great to see how people are, are thinking outside the box and it's not just what the government is mandating you to teach they have some flexibility where they can incorporate other other um other types of classics right it's not just about um centering european uh classics and whatnot it's about okay look at the global society and how we can incorporate the perspectives of other people well that's the inclusivity part right we need to include everybody exactly. in and not just from one perspective and i think that's where education is become starting to to move in those directions and, and a little bit faster than what we had expected i think like it's really uh, it's great i mean i'm always asked to go and present and do presentations and art projects and i love it right. I, used to, I used to teach it a long time ago but it's still a very big passion of mine so i i just i'm very excited all the time when we get to this part of the year and Teachers mm -hmm. are saying, can you come and do this or what we can do? And I, I do it through music. I do it through mm -hmm. the things that I love. So I, I always tell teachers, like, find what you love, you know, in the culture, uh, right. of any culture, and then and then just go with that. And it'll it'll yeah. work out. it'll work out with the competencies. It'll work out with the curriculum. But just find that thing. And for me, it's always music. And, you know, there's so many great uh, artists that don't get talked about. Uh, and in I the think. I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. I would say that I think you're on point about that. And one of the things I realized with educators is that they don't sometimes they don't feel empowered to do so, right? Or they don't feel they have enough knowledge. So for you as a resource in the school board, I think it's great because you're they're there. You you they can have access to you, and uh, it's not going to cost them anything because cost <laughs> is something that. In elementary schools, it's it, it's one of the challenges that we face. Is there's a lot of opportunity and resources in the community, but the challenge is how do you pay individuals for the work what they're bringing to us? Because one of the things is we don't want to um, we want to pay people correctly. We don't want we should not assume that these resources should be free. We shouldn't. So. It's great that um, you are so resourceful and you're able to offer so much to our schools. But again, sometimes the challenge is like, I want this person to come in, but I, I don't have, how am I going to be able to pay for them? And I try to work with you on that always. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You we do. Try to work yes. yes, culture but, in the school. But I, yes. You and I, yeah, culture in the school brands, you and I work together, but uh, it's about educating people. Like these are ways that we can get the funding through. Well, I, I'm on the other side, right of the fence, and I see that there's not enough resources that are official, let's say, in, in like yes. the repertoire of the, the, of the ministry. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I have, when I go through the repertoire, I, in my head, I know there are organizations or individuals that have been doing the work that should be on that list. Why aren't they on that list? So, um, but now I understand from you, you know, the individual can apply to get on this list. So I have literally, you know, spread the word like, listen, we want to get this great, these great resources in the school, but there are, there are kind of, there's a repertoire that exists. And, you know, once you're on this list, that we'll be able to have access to these resources. 
Yeah, it's it's quite a process to get on the list, and it does deter people from pursuing that. But that's what I do. I definitely tell people you got to get on. But for us, like you know, teachers are busy, right? They're they're doing their things, they're teaching, and they need these resources. And so that's part of my job is to try to find these resources for our teachers. But I mean, it's very important to me to have. Uh, leaders in the community to come in and talk their about their experiences, their truths, and and mm-hmm. see what kind of impact it has on students. You know, like I um, coming from New York, it's a very multicultural place, right? I mean, it's right. the multicultural place. And then you have if you if you're out in Beaconsfield, it's not as multicultural, right? right? It does, but not at, not to the to the level. And so we want to mm-hmm. bring experiences for our students that are going to mm-hmm. share those the richness of, of every culture and listen to experience. I think that's the one thing at these conversations, yes. and, like real conversations where people come in and say, this is what happened to me. And this is why yes. and this is how I dealt with it, as opposed to just getting information off social media or news, mm-hmm. which as we both know, can be very biased and, and uh, you know, one-sided. So we don't want that. We want our kids to have authentic uh, experiences with uh, with people from the community. I definitely agree with having those real conversations. And I think we can learn a lot about people's stories. Everyone has a story. Uh, and when you have, I've been in spaces where you should see the students just kind of like open up because first they see perhaps someone that looks like them that they've never seen in that light. And it just opens them up to exploring possibilities. So I definitely encourage when we bring in resources to have, uh, if it's in a workshop setting, to really um, understand and consider your audience and have those conversations because those are law those are um life lasting that you will there's conversations that I've had that I will always have as a memory because they were so powerful and influential yeah i'm influenced every day and i learn things every day and i feel like that's the same experience the students should have like you're not going to fix this in one shot right but but if you you get people to open up and have real conversations i think we're on our way you know Definitely. And and you have to have that. You have to be real. You can't, you can't. And be vulnerable. And it's okay to make mistakes. We all do. It's okay, but be vulnerable. And students appreciate that vulnerability. They really, really do. It's like, instead of you're speaking at them, you're speaking with them, you know? And uh, I've, I've seen major, major improvements and, you know, it's a lot. I mean, I I don't think I could be a teacher. It's a, I would like, to, I would have maybe liked to, but it's a huge undertaking. And just to know that, you know, your existence, um, apart from even academics, just socially, the impact that that makes to a student, it's huge. Yeah. And this is what we want. We want that to continue. Tell me uh, on a personal note, how do you uh, celebrate Black History Month? And if you do it all, I don't know. So like I, I always ask, I ask our yeah. guests that, like what, like, what is it like? What does it look like for Kemba? Like, what are you doing? Wow. Um, it's an interesting, yet very common question for me. And I guess the idea of celebrating and or paying tribute to Black culture and art and heroes and activists and history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not, for me, it's not reserved to one month. I, I'm Black. So <laughs> Black history to me is who I am. It's what I think about. I, I mean, I think about my ancestral stories 
and uh, I know of, and I imagine those that I don't know about. And I, I don't know how it is to not think about it. It's just what I do. But one thing I want to specify is that, you know, Black individual, Black people were not a monolith. There are so many different perspectives and 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 histories in the in the uh, African diaspora. So my my experience, my truth, is not the same as my neighbor's story and their truth. So I think that it's okay to ask the question to individuals because we all will have a different answer. Yeah, and uh, you know when I was working at um, at Kingsdale the other morning uh, for our Ped Day, I mean it really was the conversations after that I love so much. Like the, mm -hmm. the teachers got a moment to talk about the, their pieces of art that they created and, and why and who they picked to put in there and what it meant to them. And uh, one person went through this, her own kind of history and how it, things affected her. Other people were, were finding out they didn't know who that person was. So they selected them and so that they could learn about it after. And that's exactly wow. what, we, what we want to happen with our students. So it really was uh, quite a success, but it, it, I, I felt so in tune with uh, the staff there and the way they were working and how open everybody was. And I think that that was, I wish I could video, uh, I should have videotaped it because you never know what's going to happen, but these are those magical moments that you can see a transformation going on in their heads. You right. know, they're, they're looking it's at powerful. things differently. Yeah, and, you, yeah, and that's powerful. what we want. We want them to model what we did. We want that to be the behavior and, and the lesson that they take to their classes after. So I thought it came out really well. And it was just, uh, we were laughing most of the day. We had some, <laughs> so much, uh, but I was able to also instill upon them some of the, the resources that they, they might not have known about or things that I've seen that I wanted to share. I was very excited to share with uh, some of the teachers about things, films I've seen and books I've read about uh, Black History Month and, and from people. And so it's really important to me as a as an educator or somebody in education, but uh, right. interviewing and having the opportunity to speak with you and to see what you're doing in the classroom. And you're in three schools, so I know yeah, you're, yeah. you're always and busy. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, uh, I would have loved to have been there on uh, with the staff with that, because I think it's amazing. And I applaud you for having this exercise with staff as well, because um, it's not about what's happening in the classroom per se. It's also, we have a lot of adults in the building that also perhaps struggle with the idea of race and you know maybe they don't feel that they're equipped to even speak on it and maybe they're not but I think the conversation is great that you were able to go in on this ped day with them and uh, I will I can't wait to see what they put together at Kingsdale I'll be there on Friday oh I can't <laughs> and, uh, you have to let me know you're gonna see okay it. Really, yeah I'm gonna check it it's out it's really special gonna you're it gonna dig it yes 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 and so you just, as we, we get ready to go today, like um, what's the future feel like for you in education from your perspective and, and how's it going and, and what, what, what are you like moving toward for yourself in the schools? From my perspective, uh, now I am supporting the three elementary schools. As I said, I have no doubt that there is a lot of great work happening. I, I'm here, I rotate between schools and I see it and the interest and the, the staff that come and say, hey, I have this idea, how can I do this? And just it's the enthusiasm, even above and beyond all of the, the stress that educators are going through as we um, move away, moved away from these strikes or whatnot. But I just feel there is 
a shift happening, almost like a reckoning happening. And it feels good to be a part of um, the, the so-called movement where individuals are understanding that their role and their role with these students are can make or break them. I'm seeing a lot of great work in the classes. I, I, I walk around and sometimes in the hallways and I was like, wow, the artwork, like the artwork and just the ideas. And this is from the hands of students. So I feel that there's, um yeah, there's a shift taking place. There's still a lot of work because the work will never end. It's consistent work that has to be done. But uh, I do believe that the school board has taken and um, uh, has invested in um, doing better. So I have hope. I have a lot of hope. And I look forward to whether um, it's in the classrooms or it's, um, you know, in the uh, in the hallways, seeing the change happen and seeing the products of these kids that leave elementary school and high school just with an advantage because I know that well for me I didn't I didn't get that advantage when I was in school you know I I left school uh, high school feeling sort of broken from things that happened to me and so yeah we need to do better and and I believe that we are well it's really great that you came on today I'm really happy to see you or <laughs> for our listeners obviously to to, to talk with you but it, it's great and I hope that we continue to work together and uh I'm I'm there for you anytime you need me and it's great uh to have you in our schools and uh helping the students gain perspective and and experiences um and that you bring in resources for our students so I can't thank you enough Kemba Mitchell Thank you, Frank. Keep All up right. the great work. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. This podcast made possible by the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please find the blank canvas on Apple Music and Spotify and wherever else you download your podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Welcome to the Blank Canvas Podcast. This is Frank Caracciolo, your host, artist, and arts consultant for the Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please join us as we speak with people making a difference in the arts and education community. On today's episode, we're speaking with Patricia Blackett and Angela Leonetti from the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. My colleagues will be joining me to speak about all things EDDI. So they're here. Let's get started. Well, here we are. We're all together. Our ESD colleagues are with me today. I'm with Patricia Blackett and Angela Leonetti. We're going to be speaking about the, the LCEEQ conference in Laval that just happened this month. And uh, I'm so happy that you're joining me. Good afternoon. Hi, thank you for having us. Thank you, Frank. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, like a little bit of background uh, in your education careers here with Lester B. Pearson School Board so people know who you are? Sure. Um, so we've been teachers for a long time. In fact, we both uh, joined Riverdale High School way back in the day, the same year. Mm -hmm. um, and so we taught for, for many, many years before coming over to ESD, 
um, about two, three years ago now. Yep. So we started off as colleagues and over time we became really good friends. And now officially our title is Work Wives. <laughs> work Wives. Okay. <laughs> and everybody should know I met you both over at Riverdale many, many years ago. We, we worked right. together in That's and right. out. So it's really fun to be working together once again. Absolutely. And yeah. And so we, as we move forward, this is really important work that you're doing. And I got to sit in on the, the workshop that you held at the, the conference. Um, and it, it was really different from what we had done in the past. And so can you just tell us a little bit about uh, EDDI first and then a little bit about what your intent was at the conference? So we decided to submit a proposal to present at the uh, at the conference, mainly because the theme this year was belonging. And um, working in EDDI and anti-racist uh, pedagogy, it's so important that uh, I guess the starting point be that all our students feel like they belong. And to feel like you belong, you have to be known, you have to be seen. And if we are hesitant or shy about speaking about race, well, then that can be a bit of a hindrance in terms of really getting to know each other. So that was, um, I guess, the main reason why we decided to uh, submit a proposal and end up presenting. Well, it was very well attended as I, I was one of the participants, but I saw a lot of people. Uh, our director general was in, was with us. So it was really uh, wonderful to see her uh, join in, in the in the workshop. And we were sitting also, I have to mention, of course, Nathia Messina was with us, uh, our assistant director over at ESD. We have to mention that so we don't get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> it, it's it's fun. And it was it's really uh, it was different for me as well, uh, uh, participating, uh, you know, uh, listening in and, and how you went about it. And I know we spoke prior to you at starting, you know, as we were just uh, hanging out and then we, and then it began and it got very serious. And I, I was really interested in how you felt giving that kind of uh, information out to the people in the workshop. So it was quite um, exciting and exhilarating. Uh, it was nerve wracking, of course, a little bit, but it was really good to be able to you know, talk frankly about race and to try to um, encourage others to feel like this is something that that can be done. And, and there's there's importance, um, but the fear behind it doesn't have to dictate not doing it, that it that there's an urgency, there's an importance to centering race. And although there was a serious tone, as you mentioned, Frank, it was also um, quite obvious that as we continued speaking about uh, having conversations about race, you could see that the room became a little bit more comfortable, especially with some of the tools that we were introducing. And then you started seeing the joy, the smiles, the laughter, the in, the conversations were a little bit more easy. One of the things that I had a hard time with, Angela's clock, right? So like you kept, <laughs> you kept stopping us, the timing. And that really sends, that really sends a message because uh, we were in, and for people that don't know, right, you're in the workshop and you're given a prompt. And as you're working on the prompt, Angela will say, okay, that's it, time. And then we have to go back. And what I what I found was, is that the uh, the conversation got very deep. And as it was getting deep, it's so hard to pull away 
and then go back into, you know, like the other part of the, the workshop because right? you want to continue and you feel like you haven't gotten enough out and you want to keep going. And so I found that that was really fun. Like as we kept doing it, you kept saying, okay, time. And you're like, oh, come on, Angela, give us a little bit more here. You know, She was really good about, she took that very seriously. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to copyright that Angela's clock. Angela's so. clock, yeah. <laughs> Be careful, Angela's clock is yes, in the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was really but you important. know, it was, it was our director general it was um, Dr. Cindy yeah. Finn who came up to us afterwards and said, my goodness, there just wasn't enough time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this this workshop could have gone on for the entire day. Um, yeah, so it that's just speaks to how much there is to explore. Yeah. And I think people yeah. really want to and don't have the environment to do so. In mm-hmm. a, in like, I, like, I think that in the very beginning of the workshop, we mentioned safe spaces. And then you said that there are really, are there any safe spaces? And so, mm-hmm. you know, because you got to really put yourself out there. And I think that people were really trying. And I think just that effort of trying to put yourself out there says a lot. Or then it, you, you have self-realization, like, like how much how much did I put out and how much did I hold back, right? And so it's I find it very interesting and stimulating as a conversation, as when especially when you're with other people around the table and mm-hmm. some of who you know professionally and some of who you know maybe personally. And I think people, especially in education, seem... Um, you know, they're reserved. They don't want to say the wrong thing. And that's what that's what I, of course, uh, I am fearless with that. I will say the wrong thing. And I would, I would rather do that and, and see what happens. So um, it's interesting. But I think you created a wonderful space at the conference. And what was some of the other feedback that you received? I mean, I know director, our director general was there and she, she liked it. Um, anything else that people were talking about afterwards to you? I saw a line up just, and so the <laughs> listeners know there was like, I felt like I was at a wedding or something. Everybody was lined up and ready to talk. So, but, but can you, can you expand on some of the, the feedback that you might've gotten that day? Yeah, you know, the feedback was really positive. Those who uh, came up to us afterwards and, and spoke, uh, just kind of reaffirmed the importance and the need for having spaces um, people found the activities and the use of the scenarios mm-hmm. helpful. Um, they were interested in the programs we're doing in the schools uh, with elementary school students. So I think it just kind of demystified and it invited people and, and just showed that we can carve out intentional spaces in our workplaces and in our homes to really explore uh, race. How, how does this work impact both of you um, as educators? Like, like the, you know, I, I've been with you as you're developing certain tools that you're using, but like, like for you personally, like how, how does it um, change the way you view maybe yourself or what's around you or people around you? Like, how does that work? Very interesting. I think this work has been my life. Being the anti-racist pedagogical consultant, um, I view it as a privilege because I now get to center even more time um, and devote more time to the exploration of, of, of the impacts of, of race. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I don't know that it has, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it, it, it's not new for me because it has been my reality. Angela, how about you? Has it changed or has it changed you the way you... Uh, you- I'm extremely honored, obviously, to be part of the dossier, to be a collaborator on it. You just you start to notice how much self-work 
and the continuation of the self-work that needs to be done in order to properly have these race-based conversations and, and to keep the conversation on race, right? And I've always wanted to become or be the best ally and supporter possible. But with that comes a lot of self-work. And so that's going to be ongoing. One of the things we talk about a lot is how this is um, just an extension of being a lifelong learner. So doing the reading, watching, listening, engaging in the conversations, growing, knowing that we're going to make mistakes and Mm -hmm. missteps every once in a while, but then not staying there, continuing to immerse ourselves in more readings and more discussions and really trying to get to a place of of moving forward, a place of of. Uh, we spoke about this in the uh, in the in the presentation, mm-hmm. but getting to a place where I know that I know because I'm continually using a growth mindset to grow, and extending grace along the way because yeah, nobody, it, this isn't perfect work by any means or easy. No, it's work. Uh, it's work, right? That's it defines itself, right? Because it, it is work. Eddi is is uh something that one has to work with and be conscious of as you're doing it right and that's happened to us in our workshops that you've given within our 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 team and uh with our colleagues and so uh, are are we moving in the right direction like like for both of you like what what are your your thoughts about is it moving fast enough because i know for me nothing is ever fast enough but but for for you because you've been doing this now for a bit um do you feel like it, it, it we're moving in the right direction Well, I think if we continue with that idea of growth mindset, where we're listening, we're continuously reading, we're watching, we're observing, we're engaging, and we're staying engaged, but we need to continue speaking up against injustice, right? And and talking about how to become an anti-racist and what that takes and what it means um, to take risks and to be part of something that's probably a lot bigger than us. Yeah, people walk around and they say, "Look, I'm not racist, you know. Uh, so why why would I have to participate in such a thing?" And and then you, when you start dissecting commentary, thoughts, uh, perceptions, and then and then it seems to all kind of change the way you you view yourself. And you're like, "Well, yeah. because you're not walking in somebody else's shoes, right? You're just from your perspective, I'm not." And then you you don't realize that these things maybe have come to you from other places, from other experiences from family uh and then you when you start having those discussions like i said at the table um and then you have like real issues that come out like people who have dealt with racism or been victims of and when you're not and then you can understand you know what happens is such a such an amazing and it's very um it's like i think angela said it earlier organic right we were talking about as we got on like it's organic and then when you it's for me, it never is at the table. It's when I walk out, you know, when I'm uh, commuting back home and you're in the car and you think about the conversations and then it really takes, it, it resonates, right? It really holds on to you and then you can continue. And I think that's that growth mindset that Angela was just was speaking of, you know, but uh, I, I think it's, you know, and, and for people that don't know, it's equity, diversity, dignity and inclusion, which the dignity comes from Patricia, who added that uh, for our, our school board. And that's it was a very important part of of how this work has evolved. And, and that's an evolution. You know, can, can you just um, speak about some of the tools that you use, like uh, some of the things that you have used to do this work? 
one of the tools that we've taken from Glennie Singleton in Courageous Conversations About Race, uh, whenever we're doing workshops, we like to begin with this. It's place, name, and intention. Because I think right away, it prioritizes the importance of getting to know who you're sitting with and who you'll be engaging with and, and, and learning with. So we run that activity and time and time again, the feedback from that is always positive and people see how it can be used in their EDDI committee meetings or staff meetings. They also see how it can be used in their classrooms. So we find that tool to be, you know, very, very positive and powerful. And and you do have the website for EDDI, we right? Do. And, uh, is, is that website public or is that through request or through when you're using um you, when you're when you're giving a workshop or when you're when you're doing a presentation, is that open for everybody to see? Or I think there's two of them, if I'm not mistaken. There's only one website, uh, and it's through it's internal. It's for Lester B. Pearson employees at the moment. Um, that might change going forward, but right now it's available to to everybody in the school board. And there's tons of resources on there. And um, maybe you can uh, talk a little bit too about the books because you you have. One, you have a book club that that I'm not a part of, but but uh, just because of scheduling and stuff. But um, you do you do um, allow people to to get their hands on on new kinds of materials that maybe in a regular classroom library they might not have access to. And so, could you just talk a little bit about that? For sure. Um, so the book club. I guess comes from this notion of if we're going to have a growth mindset, we need to intentionally have spaces where we can learn and grow and learn and grow in community. I think anti-racist work needs to be done in community. It's not solitary work. And so we have um, been lucky enough to have spaces carved out where we can uh, take titles. Right now we're using um, the new book by Bettina Love, Punished for Dreaming, and we're coming together to explore and work our way through and, um, you know, in a space that is non-judgmental, a space that allows us to, to be vulnerable and to really explore, to show what we don't know and what we do know and, and um, move forward, right, to, together, collectively. So I think book clubs can be quite powerful. I think the key thing with anti-racist work, because a little while ago you were mentioning the difference, you mentioned being non-racist, and it's Ibrahim Kendi and it's Angela Davis who speak about the importance of of not remaining non-racist because there's a neutrality that's involved in that. Whereas in being anti-racist, you are actively lending your voice. You are actively working to denounce uh, injustice, right? So it's not just kind of saying, oh, that's that's unfortunate, that's a bad thing, but then remaining comfortable as you sit, you know, uh, at home. It's saying, how can I lend my voice and be part of this movement to bring about um, social justice? And so these book clubs, I think, are a great way to begin and continue these conversations as long as they are transformative themselves. The purpose, the goal of them is for us to grow and then feel more empowered to move forward and act, not remain in a reflective state, but to act so that we are working towards uh, changing. And I think that that's so important, like what you said, like, because that is what happens at that table, right? That's exactly what happens at the table. Like you're, you, know, you believe that you're not a racist and then 
um and but then you become an activist because you're you then you realize that's what i mean about like that you have that uh, like epiphany as you're driving and you say like you know what that's important like you know and i'm glad i said that or oh, i hope i didn't even if you say i hope i didn't offend anybody but those those uh that that space where you're allowed to do that is really important and you both create that for us and that's really important can i ask you just uh as we we get close to the end here um how is it to work with young children Uh, about these issues like you know like how does that work like is it is it more difficult or is it easier than working with adults like oh goodness, it's the <laughs> highlight of our of our weeks we love going into the schools these kids are phenomenal they're amazing and they want to go there with us the questions the insights the observations the vulnerability uh, yeah participation what they participate what they say is so rich and vulnerable and they're so willing to go there it's incredible yeah no yeah they don't have that they don't have that uh that filter right they just they just say it and uh, i think that's what uh, i like that too about when i'm working with younger people I, i love it that they just say what they what they mean and and they don't realize you know sometimes and then it's just wonderful um so and and are you working in many schools or is it a few that you've selected or so we have requested commitments from schools so that we stay with a few schools but we visit each grade each class repeatedly over the course of the year mm -hmm. so that way we are able to stay engaged and really try to go deeper with certain issues and really explore what it is to be anti-racist even as a child so um so you know i guess our challenge is time because so yeah. many schools and two of us but i think the work that is being done is we you know we leave schools and we say wow like look at where we were able to go and what mm -hmm. we were able to explore with these children um it's 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 amazing being touching the pulse of the future you know it's really yeah, and, cool. and those conversations change people forever um and that's really what it's about right so we mm -hmm. for the better And I, well, I just can't thank you both enough for coming on. It's just so great to talk to you. It's always great to talk to you, you know, in the halls and everything, but now we're doing it officially here on the podcast, but it's great work. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that I could ever do to support the both of you, obviously when we're, we're out in the field, but uh, also through, through this, uh, this medium, I'm, I'm really happy to share. And it's just great. It's great to talk to you. And I, I'm so proud of the work you do. I'm proud to be a part of that. The ESD family over there and how they work. And so uh, kudos to both of you. Thank you very much for a very meaningful uh, workshop at the LCEQ conference. It was really special. Very, very special. And uh, I, and I hope you both get your due. You're working so hard uh, at this. So, so awesome. congratulations. And thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much, Frank. Very Thanks, much Frank. appreciated. <laughs> Pleasure. Okay, we'll talk to you in the halls. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Perfect. Bye. Bye. This podcast made possible by the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please find the Blank Canvas podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else you download your podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.